You're listening to Quran 30 for 30, the Ramadan podcast that reconnects us with the beautiful words of God, one juice a day, with your hosts, Sheikh Omar Suleiman, Sheikh Abdullah Oduro, and a new guest. Let's experience the beauty of the Quran. Allahumma salli wa sallam wa barik ala abdika wa rasulika Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam tasliman kathira. Alhamdulillah, we just wrapped up the telephone and one, one, one to once again. I can't even talk anymore. Thank you all for, uh, for supporting us. Alhamdulillah, it was really beautiful to see the outpouring of support. Like I said, this Ramadan has just been a humbling reminder of the power of the ummah of the Prophet sallallahu when we connect to uh, that which is meaningful. And Alhamdulillah, we're glad that you see uh, yaqeen as a part of that meaningful connection. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide us and to guide through us, to rectify us and to rectify through us. Allahumma ameen. And when I say us, I mean all of us. Alhamdulillah. Allahumma ameen. Uh, it's the first of the last 10 nights. I pray that Allah Azzawajal allow us to catch Laylatul Qadr and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to observe it with its full rights and that Allah Azzawajal surround us with his mercy and his acceptance. Allahumma ameen. And alhamdulillah, no, no better guest than Sheikh Dr. Tahir Wyatt to join us, alhamdulillah, for the first of these blessed nights. Uh, we're glad to have you back, Sheikh. Alhamdulillah. Welcome back. Jazakallah khair. Sheikh Abdullah. We caught him by surprise. He forgot the tele... I'm going to call you out, man. He forgot we had a telephone today. No, but he came on. He, he came through eventually, alhamdulillah. So jazakallah khair for coming through, Sheikh Abdullah. We appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna lie. Glad to be there. Glad to be there. <laughs> you almost made him do a face palm, man. We can't have it. <laughs> See, all, his hand came out, but he didn't. He didn't do it. We'll see. We'll see if we can get one out out of him by the end of the night. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> uh, so, inshallah, let's go ahead and get started with uh, just 21 bi'idnai ta'ala. And uh, we are in the second half of Surah Al-Ankabut. I think the, the focus uh, that we're going to have is obviously going to be on uh, Surah Al-Rum. And subhanAllah, yesterday we talked about this idea of false, a false sense of security and things that are not real. Things that, uh, that, that people get intoxicated by that actually mean nothing in the sight of Allah Azzawajal. So we talked about Fir'aun and his sense of power, Haman and his sense of access, Qarun and his sense of wealth. Uh, and it did absolutely nothing for all three of them. They ended up humiliated and disgraced. Whereas this mother of Musa السلام, in the most vulnerable situation, Musa السلام, are empowered and Allah uh, raises them to that, that, that highest place. And Surah Al-Ankabut, which gives us the purpose of test and trial and kind of helps us put it into context. Uh, the last part of Surah Al-Ankabut is that those who strive in our way, we will surely guide them to our ways. And indeed, Allah Azza wa Jal is with the doers of good. So it, you know, really sets up the next surah uh, properly. That, uh, you know, in Tamsurullahi and Surkum is one element of that, that if you, if you support the cause of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah Azza wa Jal will support you as well and aid you in that. And while the last ayah of Al-Ankabut is you know referring primarily according to the Mufassirin, of course, to the idea of mujahadatul nafs, uh, this uh, you know the the internal strive um, for Allah Azza wa Jal, and what that ends up unlocking in terms of pathways of good, it still connects to the broader sense of 
power being found only in striving for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Surah Al-Rum uh, is next. And the Surah is uh, one of the miracles of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam in the way that it came down. SubhanAllah, I want you to think about this, that if you know, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and we know that Allah azawajal indeed chose him as a messenger and he was divinely inspired, but if the Prophet ﷺ, if this Qur'an was from him and not from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, why would he put the entire message at risk by making such a risky prediction? But this is nothing but divine prophecy, not risky prediction, not human faulty prediction. That the Romans, who at that time were an empire on the decline, they'd been fighting the Persians for over 700 years, the longest battle in history. Uh, the longest war in history between the Romans and the Persians. And it looks like the Romans are about to be wiped off the face of the earth. And uh, they've been beaten back into just a few strongholds. Their holy places have been desecrated. They're really in a bad, in a bad spot. And of course, they are associated with Christianity. Um, and the, uh, the Persians are associated with Zoroastrianism. And the Meccans, the Quraysh that are oppressing the Muslims feel a, a sense of alliance or have an alliance to the Persians. The Muslims have a natural connection to the, you know, to at least what, what is represented in the, uh, in, in a very abstract sense, right? Uh, with Christianity in terms of uh, a connection there. And Allah Azawajal reveals that this empire that is about to be destroyed uh, will actually come back and defeat the empire that is uh, that has them on their heels within three to nine years. And uh, there's a very famous story, and I don't want to go through it now. If you go to the first series, we talk about Abu Bakr al-Siddiq because there's so much to that, that yaqeen, that certainty. Yes, I plugged it again, but it's true. That, that certainty that he had in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's victory coming to the believers, we had no problem putting everything on the line, knowing, knowing that it was only a matter of time, that it was... Uh, not if, but when that it would come, and that when would have to be in accordance with the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala between three to nine years. And Allah Azawajal is giving a dual meaning here because the victory of the Roman Empire or, or the, the comeback of the Romans when it seemed like they were going to be eradicated uh, matches what happens with the Muslims. Uh, this happens in mid Mecca. And the same year that the Romans come back and defeat the Persians, which was after eight years and some, eight years and a few months, the Muslims defeated the Mushrikeen in Badr when it seemed absolutely impossible. And so to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala belongs the affair, belongs the power of all things uh, before and after. Allah Azawajal is always uh, in control. Um, uh, you know, and, and he gives victory to whom he won, who he wills, and he is exalted in might, the merciful. Rahim. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, It is the promise of Allah. Allah does not fail in his promise, but most people don't know. And then Allah goes on to talk about another sense of false sense of uh, security, which, which I know Shaykh Tahir is going to reflect a bit on that ayah, inshallah ta'ala. But being stuck in the apparent, being stuck in, you know, the exterior and, you know, what appears to be the case and not being able to see beyond the exterior. And I'm just going to give one reflection on that, inshallah, and then I'll pass it on to uh, Sheikh Tahir, uh, Sheikh Abdullah uh, for the night. And then we'll go to Sheikh Tahir to reflect a little bit on Ya'lamun al-Lahira min al-Hayat al-Dunya. 
Um, but the verse of marriage is here too. So I just want to connect this to, uh, to this for a moment. Uh, Allah Azawajal, after saying they, they can't read but the exterior, talks about some of the power of the exterior and what the power of the exterior lends to the one who designed it. Right, like if you know, Allah Azza then starts to talk about the creation of the heavens and the earth and those types of things, and how that gives you a deeper understanding. Like, who do you think is the one that in, that designed, create that cre created, designed, engineered all of this beauty and such perfection? Right, but Allah Azza brings it to a very personal interaction of our lives. And if there is one thing I can convey uh, tonight, inshallah Taala, uh, then I will. Uh, the very famous verse of marriage. وَمِنْ آيَاتِي أَنْ خَلَقَ لَكُمْ مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ أَزْوَاجًا لِتَسْكُنُوا إِلَيْهَا وَجَعَلَ بَيْنَكُمْ مَوَدَّةً وَرَحْمًا إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَاتٍ لِقَوْمٍ يَتَفَكَّرُونَ Verse 21, and of his signs is that he created for you uh, from yourselves uh, mates that you may find tranquility in them and he placed between you affection and mercy indeed and that are signs for people who reflect. This verse of marriage is on Every uh, wedding card, I'm sure even the Zoom weddings that are going to take place are going to have, you know, this verse plastered on the Evite. Uh, this verse is recited before, you know, the weddings. It's recited in the nikahs. It is such a prominent verse. And subhanAllah, subhanAllah, subhanAllah. Allah Azza wa chose to situate verse 21 between two verses that actually condemn racism. <laughs> okay, so the first verse, verse 20. And of his signs is that he created you from dirt, and then suddenly you became human beings dispersing throughout the earth. But you all came from Turab, from dirt. And then Allah Azza says, and from the signs is that he takes two people that are both made of dirt. And the only thing that would give anyone superiority in the sight of Allah is their taqwa, is their, is their sense of piety. And Allah Azza uh, gives these two people the responsibility to show rahmah, to show mercy and compassion to one another as a means of elevating themselves in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as a means of seeing that place of barakah. And Allah says, and that's a sign for people who think. And then Allah says, and of his signs is the creation of the heavens and the earth and the diversity of your languages and your skin colors. Indeed, is that for, uh, indeed and that is a sign uh, for people of knowledge, not not for everyone, people of knowledge, uh, for people who think deeper. SubhanAllah, the, the verse of marriage is situated between one that reminds us of our common uh, origin, physical origin, and then another one that tells us we are enriched by our differences in our physical appearances and the types of knowledge that Allah makes accessible through us through different languages and cultures. And the verse of marriage is situated between those two ayat. Somehow, somehow we miss it. And this is a strong, a strong lesson when you talk about looking past the exterior in marriage. The Prophet said, if someone comes to you whose religion and character are pleasing to you, both things that would only be enriched by culture and language and differences of skin color and those types of things, and you should marry that person if you don't, and there would be fitna, corruption that would spread through the earth, and people would resort to other uh, means of satisfaction and pleasure, and it would cause community issues.
you know, this is a very powerful lesson for us to take on a personal level that we really need to embrace the diversity of our ummah and not just pay lip service to it, but see past the exterior of people, their languages, their skin colors, their cultures, and never fall into the original, that, that, that original racism of shaitan that I'm better because I'm created this way and he's created that way, that way. And see past that exterior, inshallah ta'ala, and pursue instead deen and khuluq with one another. And we should be advocates for that in our inner circles, in our communities, and in general to make sure that we teach people to think deeper when they look at each other as well. We are creations of Allah Azza and we should think, look deeper when we look at one another with the night ta'ala. Inshallah ta'ala, with that, I'll hand it off to Shaykhna Abdullah. Barakallahu feekum. Barakallahu feekum. Jazakallahu khair. Nice point, nice point. Bismillah wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wa la amma ba'd. Inshallah, I'm going to be talking uh, about a beautiful subject matter that deals with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and our outlook of him and how we should, uh, how we know subconsciously how to perceive him, but it reminds us to look at ourselves. So in the chapter of Rum, the majority of the chapter, a good amount of the chapter of Rum in the beginning is an account to the disbelievers or to the ones that don't believe in the bath, don't believe in the resurrection, that there will be a next life, that we will be raised up after we die. And what's beautiful about this chapter is that, you know, throughout particularly first number 10, all the way to the 50s, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is constantly ensuring the fact that he has the ability of all things. Do not ever domesticate the power of Allah. Do not think that the power of Allah is confined to something because whatever thing you think about is that which was created. And that's what I want to talk about today. It's a beautiful verse, uh, but the introduction to that are a couple of verses. If we look at verse number uh, 10, 40, and 50, verse number 10 gives an interlude. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, after Allah is the one that originates the creation and he will repeat it, uh, return it, and or he will repeat it and then to him it will be returned. So all of us is creation. He is the one that brings it and originates it. He is al-fatir. And this is what I mentioned before. When we learn the names and attributes of Allah and internalize them, this is when, as the Prophet ﷺ whoever acts upon them, internalizes them, understands them. When he said that Allah has 99 names, and even though we know that there may be many more than that, but he says that whoever ahsaha, whoever was to understand them and act upon their implications in their life, dakhla al-jannah. They enter jannah, inshallah ta'ala. But then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, goes on uh, in verse number 40. Uh, as we talked about, he says, Allahu ladhi khalaqakum thumma razaqakum thumma, thumma yumitukum thumma yuhyikum. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah is the one who created you, then provided food for you, and then will cause you to die. Then again, he will give you life. Is there any one of you or any one of your partners that do anything of, the, of that glorified and exalted is he above all they associate with him? So Allah is just reminding you of what in Arabic is called rububiyyah. But what's very important, when we say rububiyyah comes from Rabb and Lord, to acknowledge that Allah is al-Khaliq al-Razik al-Mudabbir, that he is the creator, he is the sustainer or provider, and he is the one that has control over all affairs, ultimate control. When we say that Allah is the Lord in our Lordship, that demands from creation something. So what he is doing here is he is confining, he is, is, is really just reminding us of his qualities of Lordship, which demands from us something. 
But the quality of lordship here is the fact that he brings things to life and he takes that life away when and where and how he wills. And as a matter of fact, after he takes that life away, he creates another life. And that's the afterlife. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions here uh, just parts of the ecosystem. And it's, it's totally amazing how he mentions certain phases of the ecosystems. And here he mentions um, how he brings the clouds and the clouds send down the rain, as he says in verse number uh, in verse number 48. Allah, Allah is he who sends down the wind so that they may raise clouds and spread them along the sky as he wills. And he continues to say, and then break them into fragments until you see raindrops come forth from their midst. Then he has made them fall upon whom of his slaves he wills. Lo, they rejoice. Then right after that, he says, subhanAllah, and verily before that, before the rain came to this barren land, just before it was sent down, they were in despair. So then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala goes on in verse number 50 to talk about, look at the effects of the mercy of Allah as the mercy of this wind and these clouds that bring down the rain and then bring forth vegetation. Before that, you were in despair. But when Allah brought it down, when he chose to, on his terms, we see the mercy of Allah. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, So look at the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he brings life to that which was dead. And he uses this as subhanAllah for us to use the analogy. How can I say that Allah has limits if he says he brings uh, a, a life back to the dead or resurrects the dead? If we look at the earth in and of itself, we look at how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings, makes a land barren, then brings water and brings forth vegetation as though nothing ever took place before that. But what I want to capitalize on is verse number 54. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives a beautiful, beautiful example. And it really ties into the verse where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَفِي أَنفُسِكُمْ أَفَلَا تُبُسِرُونَ And in your own selves, do you not see? Do you not see the signs of Allah? So here he says in verse number 54, after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, اللَّهُ الَّذِي خَلَقَكُمْ مِنْ ضَعْفٍ ثُمَّ جَعْلَ مِنْ بَعْدِ ضَعْفٍ قُوَّةٍ ثُمَّ جَعْلَ مِنْ بَعْدِ قُوَّةٍ ضَعْفًا وَشَيْبًا Allah is the one. Allah is the one that created you in a state of weakness. Then gave you strength after the weakness. Then after the strength gave you weakness and gray hair. Subhanallah. The first weakness is when we are in the womb of our mother or when we are born. We don't know anything. But if you think about it with your own children, it wasn't you that totally enabled them to crawl. To walk. One day you walk in the room and then you're jumping for joy that your child is crawling. And then your child is walking. And then they're speaking. That is the beauty of the word al-khaliq and al-rab and al-qadir. Al-khaliq, the one that brings things into existence. None of us creates. We only manipulate forms of creation. We only take elements that are on this earth and manipulate it in ways to form anything that we want. But the raw material, the wiring was already here. That is from Al-Khaliq. No one can take that title, nor no one, anyone can take those properties. And he is Ar-Rabb. Ar-Rabb, as we know, Rabb al-Alameen, from the word we see Tarbiya. He takes you from one stage after you're created and brings you to the next stage, crawling, walking, literally or figuratively. He takes you from that stage. You do not have the ultimate authority to say, you know what, I want to be 15 tomorrow. And I'm 14 and it's only been three months. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has such situated it in a way that he is the one that brings you from one stage to another. Ar-Rabb. 
He is the Lord. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also is Al-Qadir. And that's where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's why he says, He brought you as a, a baby. And after that weakness brought you strength, as in your adolescence, your manhood, your womanhood, at the, that age where you're strong, intellectually, spiritually even. And then after that, after that strength, ba'af. And in the ba'af here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, where we mention is the ba'af is the da'af of the old age, where you reach the age, as some scholars say, where some may say it's the, the level of senility where you see now, but not in all ages that, but subhanAllah, the age to where, you know, the, the, the strength that you had, the properties that you had were not as those as we say in the good old days, right? We look at our photos and you say, whoa, those are the good old days. Those were the day I was able to run a mile, two miles, three miles, three miles, play football, whatever the case may be. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that brought you from this stage to that stage. And then he confirms by saying, washeba and gray hair. Then the veil, the end of that, he confirms it and affirms his ability. When he says after, after, he creates what he wills and he is the all-knowing and the one that is able to do all things. He creates the creation, everything that is here, he created it. He has knowledge of every form of creation. And on top of that, he has the ability to do with that creation as he wills. Guess what? We are included because we don't know when Allah is going to take our life. Just one example. And that's why in a beautiful verse it says, They have not given Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala his due right, his qadr, his, his level of respect, the level of respect that he deserves. And we will never be able to. But what's important here from these verses is that we do not underestimate Allah, not only in our hearts, in our belief, in our, our, our aqidah, which we should not, but in our actions, our expectations. We should have good thoughts about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his ability and always trust in him and spread that type of attitude to people that the ability of, of Allah is endless, never domesticated, never limited, and we should try our best to show that in our actions. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of those that are mindful of his names, beautiful names and attributes, for they are, they are endless and they are al-husna. Jazakallah khair, Shaykh. Allah Allah, we talked about exterior and not underestimating, not, not looking past. And uh, it's a perfect uh, segue, inshallah, Dr. Tahir Tadl. Alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala mabad. First, uh, actually, before getting into the um, tafsir of the ayat or the tadabbur, the pondering over the meaning of the ayat, reflecting over the ayat that I'm going to. Uh, talk about tonight inshallah ta'ala uh, ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us from amongst those who observe Laylatul Qadr with true iman seeking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's reward and it is very important for us as um, you know that we really contemplate the deep meaning of Laylatul Qadri khayrun min alfi shahr and I'm only taking this opportunity since this is the first of the last 10 nights with Allah Ta'ala. But um, let, let us just think about it. For most of us in the United States, the night is approximately eight hours and some change. So literally we're talking about in most places, and, and just bear with me here, 500 minutes. Okay. 500 minutes is 
equal in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in terms of reward to a thousand months. And I think that sometimes we have to really break it down for us to value the time. So that means that every minute of these nights, uh, if, if the night happens to be Laylatul Qadr, that the reward for worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in each one of those minutes is, is like two months. I mean, are we really internalizing the fact that we should not be wasting minutes? A, a second is like a day in that case. And so it's very important that, you know, we don't let this time go by. The, the, the difficulties that we may face, the, the pressure that we put on ourselves to perform in these uh, 10 days, we won't regret that later. Um, it's, it's similar to how people go on Hajj and they just put forth, I mean, they, they go all out. You know, after a day or two, they recover, alhamdulillah, and then, you know, they forget about the effort that was spent. But Allah Allah doesn't cause the, the reward of those who do good to be lost. And so it's very important that we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help us in worshiping him in these last 10 nights. And part of that worship is to double Quran. Allah Azza wa Jal, you know, says in the Quran, Quran. Quran. Do they not ponder over the Quran? So this is one of the greatest forms of ibadah, in fact, is that we read the Quran and that we ponder over it. And that is one of the reasons why I think that this uh, this way of approaching the tafsir of the Quran or reflecting over the meanings of the Quran. Uh, the, the way that it's being done with the Quran 30 for 30, this is something, inshallah, that should be a staple, you know, moving forward, making the Quran and its, its knowledge accessible to people. And, uh, and so I wanted to start off with that uh, before getting into uh, the reflection. Inshallah, uh, it's interesting that everybody kind of uh, focused on sort of a room, even though this juz covers the last part of Ankabut, it covers all of sort of room. It co covers all of Surah Luqman, all of Surah Sajda, and the beginning part of Al-Ahzab. Um, and there is a common theme yani, that brings this, um, this Jews together. This Jews is rich, subhanAllah, with uh, so many points that I was confused about what to offer a reflection on. Until I came across a statement of Sheikh Shinqiti, rahimahullah ta'ala, in Adwal Bayan, uh, uh, speaking about the ayah, right? So in this ayah, which is the seventh ayah in Surah Ar-Rum, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says they know some zahir, some external aspect, really a superficial aspect of the dunya, right? But when it comes to the hereafter, they are in utter you know, negligence. They're, they're heedless when it comes to the hereafter. And so Allah here is clearly referring to those who have rejected faith. However, there are many Muslims who may to some degree or another uh, embody some of this uh, characteristic of those who reject faith. And so it's very important that we're aware of this quality so that we avoid it. And inshallah, uh, we'll be able to see how it ties into other ayat. But uh, let me go to the statement of Shinqiti, rahimahullah ta'ala, he, he said about this ayah, he said, يَجِبُ عَلَى كُلِّ مُسْلِمٍ فِي هَذَا الزَّمَانِ أَنْ يَتَدَبَّرَ آيَةَ الرُّومِ هَذِهِ تَدَبُّرًا كَثِيرًا He said, it is 
wajib. It is an obligation for every Muslim of this time. And uh, he wrote this book uh, approximately uh, 50 years ago, right? So he said it's, it's an obligation for every Muslim of this time, meaning his time, but now we even see in this time as well, our particular, you know, contemporary times. He says it's, it's an obligation for every Muslim to ponder over this ayah a lot. Give it a lot of thought. And then he says, well, And it's also an obligation for us to convey, you know, what, what we come up with upon pondering this ayah uh, to the people in general. And, and that is, as he goes on to explain, that this ayat makes it clear that this world has a vahir and it has a batin. Okay? So it has a, a, an external shell, if you will. Uh, it has an outward aspect. And then it has a reality. Okay? So when he talks about the inner aspects, he's talking about the reality of this life. The outer aspect of this life is that people have to find a way to live and survive and shelter and food and clothing and you know the things that they need in fact al hasan al basri rahimahullah ta'ala when he was talking about this ayah he said they have gotten to the point some of them he's talking about their infatuation with dunya and its uh, its glitter and its external uh, matters he said that one of them could put a dirham on his finger and flip it around and tell you how much it weighs and he, but he, he doesn't know how to pray properly, right? So, you know, you, you get to this level where it's, uh, you know so much about the dunya, but not anything that is preparing you for the next life. And that is, as Shinqiti rahimahullah ta'ala says, may Allah subhanahu ta'ala mercy on him, he says that this is the actual, what the dunya really is, to understand that it is a pathway towards the hereafter, okay? And so that this dunya is about working in it. It's about planting for the hereafter. It is about doing the acts of obedience that will draw you closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So those people who know a lot about the dunya, but they don't know anything about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They don't know anything about who he is, what he has commanded us to do, what he has prohibited us from, what draws us closer to him so that we can do those things? What pushes us further away from him so that we can avoid those things, right? If, if we know all of these details about the material sciences and engineering and technology and so forth, but we're not conscious of who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is and what our real purpose in this life is, then we're taking a portion of that, and they are heedless about the hereafter. So it's very important that uh, as our Prophet taught us to say um, in, in, a, in a famous dua, the dua that Ibn Umar said that the Prophet would rarely stand up from a gathering with his companions, except that he would make this dua, Allah maqsimlana min khashatik to the end of the dua. But the part that I want to get to is where he says, Do not make our musibah, our calamity, our affliction, O oh Allah, don't make that in our deen. In other words, life is going to have its tests. 
we're, we're going to be tried. We're going to be tried with the loss of wealth. We're going to be tried with the loss of health. We may be tried with loss of loved ones and so forth. People are going, everybody, this life is a trial. We're going to be tried in different ways, but don't make my musiba in the dean. Don't mm -hmm. cause me to reject faith or to doubt my faith or to love what you hate, ya Rabbana, or to hate what you love. So don't make my musiba in my deen. And then he goes on to say, And do not make this dunya the, uh, uh, the, the greatest of our concerns and not the extent of our knowledge, right? Okay. So the idea is it is okay to know from the dunya. In fact, the Muslims, alhamdulillah, have contributed much to civilization as we know it today. Right. But they were not people whose knowledge stopped at the dunya. And in fact, it is upon us to learn from the sciences of the dunya that which will aid us in the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, worshiping him better. And so this is not a call to leave off um, the knowledge of the material sciences or anything like that. But it's a it's a call to balance. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is showing us. And if you skip 10 ayahs, so that's the that's the ayah, seventh ayah in Surah Rum. If you go to the 17th ayah and you'll you'll see the succession. I really hope you go back and read this. He says, for subhanallah, so to get rid of the ghafla, the heedlessness, the negligence, Glorify your Lord in the morning and in the evening. So this is a call to both the Salat al-Fajr and Salat al-Maghrib, as well as a call to the Adkar al-Sabah wal-Masa. Those du'as that the Prophet Sallallahu would specifically make in the morning and in the evening. And I hate to make a yakin plug, but alhamdulillah, we do have a great du'a book um, that was published uh, right before Ramadan, or maybe... It was the day that Ramadan started, if I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. that will help people go through the ad'iyah or the du'as of the Prophet Sallallahu the prayers that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi would make, some of them that he would make in the morning and the evening. Um, I know that my time is up, subhanAllah. And That's right, go ahead, go ahead, them, every and, second. <laughs> it's, it's, going, it's going on very long. I'm, I'm going to have to, uh, I, I just want to tie this into some of the other surahs so that people can go back. So if you go back to the 64th ayah of Al-Ankabut, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَا هَذِهِ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَمَا هَذِهِ الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا إِلَّا لَهْمٌ وَلَعِبٌ That this life, uh, the life of this dunya is nothing but distraction and play. And this is what it boils down to. وَإِنَّ الدَّارَ الْآخِرَةَ لَهِيَ الْحَيَوَانِ لَوْ كَانُوا يَعْلَمُونَ But the next life, the hereafter is real life. This is the real life if they only but knew. If you look towards the end of uh, Surah uh, Luqman, you will also see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us to fear the day that a parent will not avail his child, a child will not avail his parent, that the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is true. So prepare for the hereafter. It's sort of to sajda, you can see many ayat. And I'll, I'll end with this point, inshallah. And I had to skip over a lot, subhanAllah. Um, because when we talk about the hereafter, we're talking about one of the major objectives of the revelation, right? I mean, we're talking about one of the three major creedal objectives of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealing the Quran. Belief in him, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and worshiping him alone. Uh, the belief in the prophets and belief in the hereafter. I mean, these are the three main categories of, of creed that are found in, in the Quran. 
I want to end with the the ayah in Surah uh, Al-Ahzab, which is right there at the conclusion of the Jews, right? It's ajeeb jiddah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, says to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says, he says, Ya ayyuhal nabi, kulli azwajika in kuntunna turidana al-hayat al-dunya wa zinataha fata'alayn. Oh, say, he, he says to the Prophet Wasallam, say to your wives, if you want the life of this dunya and you want its glitter and you want its embellishments, then come. You want the luxury of this life, then come. I'll give you a suitable compensation and I'll let you go graciously. Uh, in other words, and, and uh, subhanAllah, to, to give it some context, I mean, the Muslims were going through some difficult times. The Prophet Wasallam did not live like royalty. Uh, some of his wives were coming from very, um, you know, um, prosperous households. Like Aisha, Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, he was, he was a wealthy person. In any event, the point is that uh, the Prophet was, was instructed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to let his wives know at that particular time. He had, and the Prophet was married to four women at that time, right? He was married to Aisha, Hafsa, Sauda, and Umm Salama. So he gave them, he was instructed to give them this choice. If you want the dunya, then I can let you go. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to hold that against you. And you, you'll be compensated by me as a, as a lost instructed every person who goes through a divorce. Every man is supposed to compensate his wife with something according to his means. He says, but if you want what in Kuntunna Turidna, but if it is Allah that you want, it is the Prophet and the hereafter. Listen to that. If you want the hereafter, if you want that final abode in the hereafter and you want to live well in the next life, if you want Jannah in the next life, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prepared for the good doers from amongst you all a great reward. Now, I just want to very and I'll, I'll end up here i promise when the prophet sallam took as as he was instructed by law when he went to aisha ta'ala with this uh ultimatum this choice he said i'm going to say something to you he didn't recite to her the ayah right away he said i'm going to say something to you that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded me with and i don't need you to answer right away go back to your parents and consult them and then we can come and then come back to discuss it with me this is how it comes in the riwayah of sahih bukhari and so Aisha, uh, she, she says, okay, what is it? So the Prophet ﷺ read the ayah to her and he said, look, if you want this life, then I'll let you go. And uh, if you want the next life, you want Allah and his messenger, then, you know, then, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prepared for you a great reward. She said, what is there to talk to my parents about? I'm choosing Allah. I'm choosing you in the hereafter. SubhanAllah. I, I, I will say this and, and I mean this from the bottom of, our, of my heart. All of us, every single Muslim will be given an ultimatum in this life. We'll be given that choice. And, and some of us more than others, and some of us more frequently than others, we'll be given the choice. We'll be tested. Do we want Allah and we want the hereafter? Or do we really want this dunya? Are we going to compromise our faith? Are we going to compromise our values? Uh, because we want to get something out of this dunya, we'll be given that choice. And we need to make the choice 
that Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha made. She is our mother radiallahu ta'ala anha. She is the scholar of this ummah, subhanAllah. And she made the choice for Allah in the Dal al-Akhirah. This is the choice that we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow us all to make. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not to uh, put our calamity and our affliction in our deen. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to not make this dunya the extent of our knowledge and not the greatest of our concerns. Wallahu alam wa sallallahu wa sallam wa barak ala nabiyina Muhammad. I mean, Zakallah khair, Sheikh. I think I don't think anyone's mad at you going a few minutes over, Sheikh. Zakallah khair. Uh, just a quick question: the du'a, the du'a that you mentioned, is it in the book, Inshallah? It is. Yeah, it, right. it's actually. I believe it's. Uh, I believe it's the last du'a um, in okay. the book. So just so that we're clear, the way that the book is set up, it starts off with uh, the du'as of the sabah and the masat, yani the du'as, the prayers that the Prophet ﷺ would make in the morning and the evening. It's followed by prayers that deal with specific occasions um and then it finishes up with some uh comprehensive prayers and i believe that this is the last one in the book so we'll post it in the comments again inshallah just so one can go back and download it and you can of course go to the website yafinistu.org and find it uh there and inshallah ta'ala uh sheikh abdullah uh, tonight we'll start the session on ibad al-rahman inshallah just a short reflection 20 minutes inshallah night reflecting on the qualities of the servants of the most merciful and that will be at 2 a.m inshallah ta'ala uh, eastern time so we'll see you then inshallah and please do encourage everyone to donate to yaqeen institute over these last 10 nights and keep all of us at yaqeen in your dua as these last 10 that's just as important as the donation please remember us by name inshallah ta'ala <laughs> Uh, I'm sure everyone would appreciate it, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, make dua for us, please. Uh, you know, as individuals and as an organization, that would be just as precious as your donation uh, for support, inshallah ta'ala. So, barakallahu fikum. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This podcast was brought to you by Yaqeen Institute for Islamic Research, dismantling doubts and nurturing conviction, one truth at a time. Tune in tomorrow for the next episode and subscribe to this series. If you like this episode, you'll love our other content. Visit yaqeeninstitute.org or download our app from the App Store. Until next time, this has been Quran 30 for 30.